I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Banking Weekly from the Financial Times with me, Patrick Jenkins. Joining me in the studio today are David Crow, our banking editor, and Nicholas McGaw, our retail banking correspondent. Down the line from Oslo, we're joined by Richard Milne, our Scandinavian correspondent, and also we'll be hearing today from Howard Wilkinson, the former Danske Bank employee who blew the whistle on the bank's exploits in Estonia. This week, we'll be discussing SockGen as it gets fined $1.3 billion dollars. Secondly, a look at TSB as the UK bank hires a new chief executive. And finally, a catch-up with Danske and the latest episode in its saga of scandal. Let's go first, though, to that SockGen story. And David, you've been taking a look at this. So Societe Generale, David, has become the latest bank to be stung by the US authorities with a big fine. What exactly has it done? Well, uh, yep, SockGen is the latest miscreant, if you like. So they paid a $1.3 billion settlement to settle claims that they executed billions of dollars in illegal, non-transparent transactions with all sorts of nefarious regimes, including Iran and Cuba. So this was a mix of money laundering and breaches of sanctions, US sanctions. Of course, calls to mind, doesn't it, another big French bank that was penalised several years ago now, BMP, I think paid probably the biggest fine ever for this kind of stuff, $8.9 billion uh, from memory. Is there something particular about French banks? Because I think this is the second biggest for this kind of issue. Is there something particular about French banks being worse at this stuff or being penalised more harshly than others? Well, I think there are a few factors at play. Many of these regimes, Cuba, Iran, Sudan, that were involved in the BNP Paribas and Sokgen case are not you know, as in the wilderness in France as they are in the US, and there's less sort of squeamishness about doing business with them. Certainly in the case of BNP, there was a perception that they didn't play ball with the regulators. They adopted a very aggressive posture, and they ended up getting punished for that. And then also partly to do with the sort of preeminence of the dollar as a currency. All of these transactions that are at play here were done in dollars. And had the euro been a more dominant currency, then perhaps this wouldn't have happened. Yeah, absolutely. It gave the US authorities license to go after these players. Put this briefly in context for us, because obviously $1.3 billion sounds a pretty hefty penalty. But I think I'm right in saying it was largely prepared for in Gen's balance sheet and more broadly, it's doing okay in operational terms. I think this was provisioned for about $1.6 billion, I think, in provisions. So that's covered by this. And I think it was expected. And it comes just after strongish Q3 results for SockGen. They did quite well in equities trading in the US, perhaps ironically. And they also had a big beat driven by this capital gain on their stake in Euroclear. But a quarter doesn't make a turnaround and there's still a long way to go and some questions among some of the analysts over the quality of that beat in the third quarter. 
Well, I guess at least one of the things that's been hanging over them, the knowledge in the market that this issue around sanctions breaches was still unsettled, has at least been cleared off the table. Let's move on to TSB. Nick, you've been taking a look at this story. One of the few female chief executives to run a bank has been put in place at TSB, Debbie Crosby. This is obviously quite an interesting appointment given the backcloth to the TSB story over the past few months. Remind us the problems that she will be inheriting and then tell us a bit about her. Yeah, she's got a bit of a task ahead. So Miss Crosby's taking over after the departure of Paul Pester, the previous TSB chief executive who stepped down in September, a couple of months after the beginning of a massive IT crisis at the bank. It had been planning for years to upgrade its entire core banking platform and move all of its customers over. That move ended in disaster of people unable to get into their online banking systems and staff in branches not able to do basic tasks. Most of those initial problems have been ironed out by now, but there are still a couple of things that aren't even available. Like if I wanted to open up a new bank account at TSB, I can't do that on their website at the moment. So while they'll be hoping that the new appointment can be a bit of a fresh start, they'll still have some issues to deal with. And tell us about Debbie Crosby. Is she the right kind of person to take on this challenge? So she's joining from CYBG, who's the owners of Clydesdale and Yorkshire Bank, who have actually, in the last couple of months since TSB's problems began, have overtaken them as the country's sixth largest bank. She was the chief operating officer there. And on paper, it seems like a fairly sensible appointment. She's got experience in retail banking at the sort of mid-sized level. She's got a lot of experience in small business banking, which is where TSB is really looking for growth. And also, before CYBG was spun out of its previous owner, National Australia Bank, she sort of understands what it's like running a subsidiary of a large foreign bank, with TSB, of course, being owned by Spain's Sabadell. Well, we don't know quite yet when she'll be starting in the job because her departure period has to be negotiated with her current employer and so on but we expect her to be in place sometime hopefully early next year and i think they are pledging that she will come on to the podcast so i look forward to welcoming her to that thanks nick so richard thanks very much for joining us So Howard Wilkinson, the whistleblower at the heart of the Danske Bank scandal, has been giving evidence to the Danish parliament. Let's hear a clip now from what he said. Not to spend too much time on this chart, but you can see there's 10 banks, 10 banks there. I think how many countries have we got? Russia, Lithuania, Estonia, Denmark, US. We've got European subsidiaries. There's a lot of countries involved. And in the case of this Danske Bank... Uh, money laundering scandal, they all failed. It's not just Estonia and not just Denmark. Every single one of those banks had an obligation to check the money that was going through them, and every single one of them failed. I think it's important to remember that we're not just talking about dirty money going through Danske, Estonia. There are two other Danske units involved, Lithuania and Denmark. And I think very important is to look on the far end. No one really knows where any of this money went. All we know is that the last people to see it were these three banks in the US. They're the last, the last check. And when that failed, the money was into the global financial system. It was clean. It was free. Richard, this has rather blown the lid open on this whole thing, hasn't it? A couple of very big revelations. Tell us exactly what struck you. 
Yeah, well, it was an extremely interesting performance from him. He was the whistleblower who warned in four occasions on 2013 and 2014 Danske Bank. And what he said in the parliament, he's really taken aim at just about everybody involved in the affair. He's been very critical of Danske Bank and its management. He's taken a big shot at Danish regulators. But I think the biggest headline really is that he looked at the three correspondent banks that helped Danske process the money out of its Estonian branch. And in particular, he reserved perhaps his biggest revelation for Deutsche Bank saying that as much as $150 billion of the $230 billion that flowed through Danske Bank's Estonian branch and its non-resident portfolio actually left through Deutsche Bank. Now, Deutsche aren't commenting on this at all, but it's huge news. Let's remind our listeners and put this in context. This is one of the biggest money laundering scandals that the world has ever seen. And it bizarrely, as you suggest there, came through the Estonian branch, normally a fairly small outfit of Danske Bank. A large portion of this money originated in Russia or the Russian region. Tell us where this money emanated from, in what ways it was illicit, and the role that these correspondent banks, the kind of partner banks of Danske, played in the whole affair. Well, one of the big uncertainties still about this, uh, despite the fact how huge it is, is we don't really know where the money comes from and where it goes. We have three schemes that we know are connected to Danske Bank. They're known as the Russian laundromat, the Azeri laundromat, and then the fraud that was uncovered by uh, Sergei Magnitsky. Now, these are all ways of allegedly moving illegal proceeds through the banking system. But one of the issues with money laundering is that people try to make it as hard as possible to discover exactly where the money comes from and where it goes. But in order to move this money, Danske doesn't have, didn't have a US banking license. So it required other banks to process from euros into dollars typically. And so it used correspondent banks. For most of the scandal, they were JP Morgan and Deutsche Bank. JP Morgan drops out first in 2013 as it becomes uncomfortable about the exposure. It's replaced by Bank of America for two years and Deutsche Bank remains until 2015 when it also terminates its relationship because of worries about this. Now, all three have been drawn into the scandal already. We've established that Deutsche and Bank of America have been asked by the US Department of Justice for information in its probe into Danske. And it's also asked questions about JP Morgan's role. So this really adds up to something that goes beyond Danske. And Mr. Wilkinson also hinted at that, that all this money came from other banks and and it goes to other banks. So Danske is an extremely important link, but it's just sort of one link in the chain. Let's listen now to another clip from Mr. Wilkinson. Now, I joined the old Sampo Bank a few months before Danske Bank acquired it. Both large bank, US Bank One and the US subsidiary, both of them had dollar accounts open at the time. So look, we've got 2013. That's seven years at least, because I actually don't know how long they had them before. After seven years, this US bank decides that maybe it doesn't kind of want the account anymore. But it doesn't just close it. No, we read in the report that they kindly asked them, 
kindly, would you, would you mind just closing it? And so the bank actually wrote and said, we've decided that we want to close our account. Yeah, you've got all this, all this money going through, and that's, uh, that's apparently what happened. And it took seven years. Still, that's better than the US subsidiary of the European Bank, because they were the last to go. They went right through till 2015, at least nine years. Now, this was the major correspondent bank for dollars. So if we're talking about this $230 billion number of suspicious funds, I would guess that $150 billion went through this particular bank in the US. And they were the last one to go. It took them until 2015, at least nine years. And there was one other US bank which got involved when the first one, um, the, the accounts were closed down. Um, and it went for two years. And after two years, it realized it didn't like the business that was going through. Still took two years, though. So, Richard, sum up where you think this is going from here. As you say, there's lots of stuff we don't know yet. But what we do know, obviously, is that three international banks have been dragged into this beyond Danske, principally Deutsche. After so many years of scandal more broadly, post the financial crisis, this is clearly the last thing Deutsche needs for two big US banks to get dragged into it as well will be nightmarish. And given the scale of the whole scandal, $230 billion right across the board, this could lead, if people are found guilty of wrongdoing, to pretty substantial penalties, couldn't it? Absolutely. I mean, so much, as you say, remains to be uncovered. So we don't want to jump the gun here. But I think when you see what is basically the largest case of money laundering ever uncovered, we know the US authorities are criminally investigating Danske. I think there is a potential and certainly analysts and investors agree with this for multi-billion dollar fines of Danske that's possible. And I think the US authorities you know, once they get interested in something, they're like a dog with a bone. They tend to worry away at it. So, you know, I think there's dangers for others as well. Well, certainly dangers for bank investors yet again. So we'll keep a very close eye on this. Thank you very much, Richard, for joining us. Well, that's it for this week. All that's left for me to do is to thank Nick and David here in the studio and also Richard, who joined us down the line from Oslo. Thank you for listening. If you're not already an FT subscriber, do take a look at our latest subscription offer at ft.com offer. And remember, you can keep up to date with all of the latest banking stories at ft.com banking. Banking Weekly was produced by Fiona Simon. Until next week, goodbye. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com.